0: The Spot Track Podcast,
1: talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports.
0: Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is brought to you by The Athletic. Visit TheAthletic.com slash Spot Track for 40% off. Plenty of draft grades, fantasy implications for new players, all the undrafted free agent signings that we're also tracking on Spot Track, which we'll get to in a little bit here. Visit TheAthletic.com for all your podcast article fixes. TheAthletic.com slash Spot Track. 40% off, two ninety nine a month. My name is Mike Cianetti. Welcome to this week's edition of the Spot Trek Podcast. We're going to bring in Scott Allen. We're going to dive in more of the numbers side of it, draft pools, trades, certainly the undrafted free agents and how those are impacting rosters positively and negatively because uh, additions equal subtractions here. So there's plenty of that movement happening right now. Just a bit of a recap really in the last week of the NFL with signings and releases and a couple of trades and Certainly some things that could be coming down the pipeline here to keep us active over the next couple of weeks as virtual workouts also get in. Um, so here's how that's working. I mean, you can understand how it might be working from a technology standpoint. Guys are basically just turning on cameras or phones and either recording themselves or there's a sort of live session happening with trainers and staffs and teams. Team meetings are happening over Zoom, things like that. All the same stuff we're doing with schools and, and corporations right now. That's essentially how the NFL is operating right now under an off season. From everything we've read and heard, uh, workout bonuses will be paid accordingly as long as these guys are showing up on the screen. So it's a different animal right now, but these guys are still getting paid. Every veteran is getting paid a minimum of $235 per day. Every rookie, a minimum of $135 per day. And teams were basically allowed to send up to $1,500 worth of equipment out to each player. So whether that's a Peloton, whether that's a, a tracker to track health and, and heart rate and all that good stuff, I'm sure those were sent out because teams obviously want to make sure they can keep some sort of tab on these players while they're quarantined and trying to keep in shape as we figure out this whole schedule going forward. Uh, Speaking of schedules, one of the things you're seeing a lot right now on Track is the fifth-year options of 2017 first-rounders. The deadline for that is May 4th, Monday, May 4th, so we've had a few come in, the obvious ones, of course, Miles Garrett exercised, Tredavious White exercised, Deshaun Watson, of course, David Njoku exercise tight end for Cleveland, which was a little bit of a, a wild card for me. Just hasn't really broken out there, essentially. I'm not sure it's a fit for that system, but it is a new system now. So they're, uh, they're going to give him a chance. I still think he's a trade candidate, but we'll see. Uh, other than that, Ryan Ramchek from the Saints exercised, and we'll keep tracking these. I think there's a few more to come probably in the next couple of hours, a couple of no-brainers. The one to watch, though, is Trubisky, obviously. Um, my sense is that it's a no. And if it's a no, it means he's fully guaranteed this year, and then that's it. So whether or not he even plays out this year or if he's traded or released out of the, uh, out of the salary is uh, left to be undetermined at this point, especially with Nick Foles in the, in the fold. We'll see. That's a, that's a questionable one for sure. But it, he's so cheap, I imagine they just keep him or try to trade him at this point. Not that he's tradable. So those of you gawking at that, I understand. But Josh Rosen was tradable. So crazier things have happened. What else? udfas That's the craziness. I'm not going to go off too crazy. I'm not going to try to get too negative on this. I just think we could have waited a couple of days on this one. I really do. (laughs) The, The craziness that goes from 255 draft picks and three and a half days worth of work immediately into this nuts undrafted free agent signing system, especially now where there's no workouts no face-to-face, basically just an honor system. And you've got agents and GMs working over phones 100%, trying to lock in who's going where, at what bonus, at what guarantees. Uh, teams get about $123,000 of bonus money to work with for all of their UDFAs. So generally speaking, what you're going to see is most of, you know, there's probably five or six players on every roster right now that got about 25 to $30,000 worth of signing bonus and maybe double that in guaranteed salary for this year. That's it. It's a three-year deal, about $2.3 million. Maybe 20% of that first year is guaranteed. Maybe. 25 in some instances. And like I said, it's about a $20,000 signing bonus at most. So while there's a rush to get all these guys on rosters and you're going to see hundreds of players added to these, uh, these 32 teams over the next couple of days here, it's minimum. We're talking base minimum salaries for the next three years and not even half of this year is guaranteed in terms of the dollars and cents. So it's a, it's a lot of work for a little bit of impact, but these guys do matter. Many of them often stick. They're cheap, so if they can play, they're going to stay. They're going to they're take a roster spot, especially in depth, but we've seen plenty of guys stick. Philip Lindsay, Chris Harris. I mean, there's plenty of big names. Tony Romo, of course. Jason Peter, the Hall of Fame left tackle, who's still looking for work. There's, there's a, a really strong list of UDFAs, but when you're doing the math of how many actually sign versus how many actually make a roster versus how many actually make an impact on a roster, those percentages drop pretty heavily. So, uh, look, we track it all. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm kind of I'm quarantined inside of quarantine right now, trying to figure out all this data and get it all into the site. It's a big, big week for that. So it won't be too much of the uh, the podcast stuff this week while we really try to push to get the data up to snuff in terms of the draft picks as they begin to sign and these UDFAs as well. But there's, we're also going to see plenty of releases. We saw the Seahawks make a couple of moves last night and DJ Fluker and... Justin Britt, two big offensive line pieces. They're clearly going cheaper and younger in that regard. Had a decent draft in that regard as well. So that cleared up about $12.5 million a cap right there for Seattle. I'm not sure that's directly you know means that they're going to bring somebody in like a clowny, but it could. And another th- big thing to talk about is it's about 3 p.m. Eastern on Monday. So in about an hour, the deadline for compensatory draft pick allocations cuts off, which means anybody who signs after 4 p.m. Eastern Monday the 27th of April, they will not account towards the compensatory draft pick formula. So guys like James Winston, they're going to get finalized in New Orleans in a couple of hours, and a few more like that. So Clowney will be a big, big part of that after that deadline. And you, you know, teams like Seattle, um, probably the Jets are, are are at least interested right now. And I guess there's a few more and other names like Everson Griffin. He's out there. Just a decent list. Logan Ryan. There's a couple of big names still out there. Not to mention your Cam Newtons and. Uh, we don't think Jameis Winston, but possibly stranger things have happened. They did just extend Taysom Hill as well to a somewhat uh, questionable contract from Taysom's standpoint. I'm not quite sure why he would lock himself into an unknown year like that, but it's good coin. 60 million guaranteed, 16 by the way, not 60. <laughs> it's good coin, and there's a lot of guys just looking for cash right now in this weird time with the uh, the looming unknown of 2020, which could also mean a a flatline or a decrease in salary cap for next year. So. A lot of the budgetary plans for a short-term windows may be thrown off a little bit here with this hiatus and how things might unfold from a revenue standpoint. But you can understand, guys, just kind of taking some cash. Uh, another contract to break down here is Larry Tunsil, who we knew it was coming because Houston gave up a truckload and a half to get him in the house. Uh, ended up having to trade away DeAndre Hopkins just because they were essentially cash-strapped. They didn't want to be able to. They didn't want to pay Hopkins because they had Tunsil to get done, and certainly they needed to get a. Deshaun Watson done at some point as well. So there's miles the feed. Tunsil's contract is strong. It's a $66 million extension now over three years, which is also important because he didn't go five, six years. What he did is he extended himself out to 30 years old. So he wants to be able to hit the market again at 30 years old, which is extremely smart. He made a ton of good coin right now on this extension, which is going to lock him in for eh, at least I'd say three years. The potential out is about three years, $58 million, which is pretty much fully guaranteed. I mean, there's 10 million of of guarantees that locks in for 2022 next March. So when you've got those preceding guarantees like that, you can pretty much guarantee that third year's in. So he's going to be 28 after that year, which means with one year left, if Houston loves him, they can rip up that last year and he can demand an extension there. Or he can demand a trade out of there at that point on a really, it'll be a friendly $18.5 million at that point with cap purposes. Just really smart stuff. He locked himself in, into the 20s, into age 20s, guaranteed himself about $58 million. That's just, uh, he, neg- he didn't use an agent either, so he didn't lose that 3% fee. Negotiated the thing himself. There's no fluff. There's no uh, per-game active bonuses. There's not even a workout bonus, which... He went straight salary, so I expect a restructure in there probably next year because of the uh, smaller signing bonus at $13 million. So I expect next year's salary probably gets restructured to help them out for, for guys like Watson and Will Fuller if they want to keep him. But that's a big one that hit. That, that was uh, We knew it was coming. We didn't know exactly how it would be structured. It's plain and simple, small bonus, big salary. That's it, and good for him on locking in those next three seasons. There's plenty more to come. We'll have to see if the uh, Rams want to lock down Jalen Ramsey. I mentioned Tredavious White got his option in Buffalo. He's definitely a candidate for a blockbuster extension, upwards of $18 million a year, somewhere basically in the same range as Jalen Ramsey. Two big names in the, in the secondary there that could get it. And then I mentioned Watson. I imagine he's the first quarterback to to fall here. I would have said Dak Prescott a a while ago, but it really feels like there's just some inactivity happening there, whether Dallas doesn't really know how to handle this right now or Dak is just pausing. Maybe Dak's waiting for Deshaun Watson to reset this market because he knows Watson will probably push forward ahead of him. And if Watson can push into 36, 37, uh, that'll certainly guarantee Dak 35. My guess is Dallas won't go higher than 35, uh, and they want the fifth year that Dak wants to go short term uh he probably just wants Deshaun to reset this thing because Deshaun has the year and the two years left here his fourth year plus a fifth year option that's now been exercised that extension is going to be four years at the most so Dak wants to see exactly what that framework looks like on a four-year deal and he wants basically to say that's it's either that or or, uh, you know 99 percent of that is what I need and he he He's, right, he's rightfully so. He's a free agent at this point. In my opinion, he's a free agent. If there were more quarterback needy teams, and it's just one of those weird years where everybody had a spot to the point of where guys like Jameis and Cam just flat out don't have a starting role. I mean, that's... And, and Andy Dalton. I mean, in any other year that we've been tracking this stuff, those guys would be scooped up immediately, healthy or not. Just, the, you know, any able-bodied starting quarterback is, was going to find work except for this offseason. It's just a plethora of supply versus demand we're out of demand at this point um so we'll see that's uh that's a situation to monitor i do think watson probably gets one soon bill bill o'brien needs uh needs to spread some good news in houston he's uh he's had a rough six months here so locking in the quarterback at i can't imagine it's going to be for a discount they certainly didn't discount the left tackle so i don't know why we we would assume any sort of discount for deshaun watson he's going to push north of russell wilson and then everything's going to get reset and then we can talk Dak, and we can certainly talk Patrick Mahomes, even though I think that one probably waits the summer. But those are the names. That's where we're living right now. Um, and outside of that, you know, you had your draft picks. I mentioned a Taysom Hill extension. If we're staying on the quarterback position, we certainly have to talk about Jordan Love and why in God's name the Packers did that. I, I just don't understand outside of this statement. This is the only statement I can justify this at. And look, I understand he's cheap. He's going to be a underpaid for a backup quarterback for all intents and purposes. But at number 26, the only reason you take him at number 26 is to stop somebody else from doing it. That's it. If you think the bears were going to do it, if you think the Vikings were going to do it, if you think somebody in your division or somebody aligned with your schedule on a yearly basis was going to do this and you felt like you didn't want to be competing against this against this guy, you wanted to hold the cards, I guess it's okay. But man, outside of that, you had an opportunity to get a playmaker for Aaron Rodgers or, uh, you know, a right tackle at the very least. And uh, they punted. They punted down to the second or third round for all those position players. They did not get themselves a wide receiver at all. They still don't have a viable tight end, in my opinion. Whether or not they're going to try to trade for an O.J. Howard or a David Njoku, we'll see. But they, they just didn't address it. They, they missed on Austin Hooper. And uh, it was a weak tight end draft as it was. They 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 brought in a couple late, but they didn't upgrade their wide receiver market. They're going to try to do that for, through the UDFA system, which they've been successful with. But that doesn't guarantee you any kind of long term success. Uh, you can understand the pushback from Rodgers, the pushback from Packers fans, and uh, you know really the discussion we've all been having over the past couple of days since that that pick happened. It's a smart pick for some reasons, just not enough to justify it, in my opinion. That's it. It's just not smart enough. You got a team like Buffalo who locked in Jake Fromm in like the 180s. Now that's a smart pick. Okay? I mean, that's a a situation where even if he is your backup quarterback forever, you're guaranteeing $300,000 over four years. That's it. Everything else is minimum salary for the next four years. So if you need to cut him tomorrow, that's basically an undrafted free agent. That's, what's, that's what many of these under, uh, these top, top UDFAs are, are closing in on and guarantees. So you're getting a situation where you've got a potential playmaker, but definitely a game manager, definitely a smart leadership kind of guy who either A, can fill in for, for, J, uh, for Josh Allen as needed, B, can compete with Josh Allen because Lord knows that's not off the table here. I mean, he's, a, he's an adequate starting quarterback who has now progressed this Buffalo team forward but they certainly haven't gone far enough. And I don't think anybody's dying to pay Josh Allen $37 million a year right now. So until that's the case, until he, that, that franchise is 100% locked in on Allen for the next four to five years, competition is ever, should be everywhere. And they did that late with a guy who just slipped into their lap. I don't imagine he was on their board. I don't imagine the Bills had intentions to draft a quarterback in this draft. Most likely not. But when a guy like that shows up and you're not, dead set sold on your quarterback. There's no reason not to do that. So I give them all the credit in the world for pulling that trigger. There's no question on that. And I would have said the same thing about the Packers if that pick was 35 to 50 picks later. If you're you're doing that where the Patriots had done that during Brady's era, where where they snagged Garoppolo, where they snagged a couple of these players, nobody's going to gawk at that because it's just value. You're getting value. But when you're using the 26th overall pick, a pick that you should be locking in a starter with, that's 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 where the questions come. That's where Packers Nation goes crazy. That's where the draft analysts have to bite their tongue because yeah, you're getting a guy. You're getting maybe the best available on the board. Let's put it that way. But not for you. <laughs> not for you. It's one of those moves where it's all one-sided. It was a best it was a best need, sorry, it was a best value without a need. And that's not a great fit in 26 overall. It's just not. And you can you can point back to Brett Favre, and you can point back to Aaron Rodgers. I, I have a trouble comparing anything in any of these leagues to 15 years ago. Sorry, I just struggle with that. And I do a lot of the back and forth, especially with data. But I, I'm con- conscious of the fact that everything changes all the time. Every year, everything changes. The way we evaluate quarterbacks changes every year. So I understand it was, you know, it was romantic to look back and say, oh, the Packers did this 15 years ago with Rodgers being the guy to come in, and now Jordan loves the guy to come in. There's, I just, You can look at that on paper all you want, but that, that doesn't bear out. It just doesn't bear out. And you can also say Aaron Rodgers is in decline, but Aaron Rodgers declined in 2019 with an injury, by the way, which nobody wants to talk about. My God, in 2018, he was an MVP candidate. A year and a half ago, this guy was an MVP candidate. There's no reason to think he can't go three more years for you, which he's contractually under right now. I uh, I just think this was this draft pick right here, just Jordan Love draft pick, was two years away. If this was two years away, and he had two years left in his contract in Rogers, and he was 38 years old, not a question in the world. Smartest thing they could have done, they probably could have gone up higher to get a guy they liked at that point. But this was just, eh, we just we want him, so nobody else gets him. That's all this was. And it's wasteful. It's wasteful from Jordan Love's standpoint because he won't really have a strong chance to compete unless some miraculous, you know, event happens after 2020 and they decide to trade Aaron Rodgers. Um, But it'll be wasteful to Love otherwise. It'll be wasteful on a rookie contract, which is what everybody's trying to do, is win when the quarterback's on the rookie contract. And it's wasteful to the fact that you didn't use that pick on something that you need right now, a need-now pick. So that's my... uh, Packers rant for you right there. Again, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna kill it because it's a value pick. It's a it's a best value pick. It's similar to Buffalo, but it's 150 picks later. So you can uh, you can do the math on that. A uh, couple of site things. Of course, our draft tracker is updated with projected contracts, projected bonuses, projected cap hits for 2020 for every single player. All 255. Uh, we're gonna go through some of the agents a little later with Scott. We pretty much have the uh, player agents for every draft pick all hashed out. We've got those in a, in a nice report here that we'll read you some numbers from. We're going to go colleges. We do Our draft tracker also has college metrics, how many players are picked per college, and what that means financially speaking. Uh, Scott gave us some, some of those numbers historically over the past couple of weeks here, which are, as you might expect, Alabama, Ohio State, Florida. Washington snuck in there somehow. They've just been consistent over the couple of years, and they were consistent again this year, by the way. But uh, we'll give you some of the 2020 numbers on those colleges, agencies, things like that, positional uh, drafting as well, which holy cow, wide receivers. Did. <laughs> the uh, the notion that this was going to be a wide receiver draft certainly held up, so good for them. And outside of that, like I said, we'll talk some more about these contracts, some things that came in, some things that are about to come. Site-wise, we have a UDFA tracker. So if you go to our free agent tracker, which I know many of you have been to, you can sort by udfa and see how all this is breaking down we've got team by team you can filter by position you can filter by college you can filter and sort by bonuses and guaranteed money so uh, you can kind of see who's getting what now uh, full disclosure these bonus information this this isn't really readily made available to us so it's digging we're digging for this stuff we're reaching out the agents we're reaching out to teams to try to uncover who got what guaranteed and all that because it's not millions of dollars you know it's minute little things that don't seem significant to a lot, but for our site, we want to have the data as correct as possible. Especially when, when these guys get released, then we have to convert that into dead cap. Um, so we are trying to lock that down. So many of the most of the UDFA's you're going to see on the site are just going to have the standard three-year, 2.28 million dollar contract, which is three minimum salaries over the next three seasons. Uh, we will update that if we find out there was a signing modus included and if there was some guaranteed salary included. But most of them are just going to start at the base, and then we'll, uh, we'll try to confirm those reports later. And by later, I mean like five minutes after I get off this, I'm going to get back to working on that. That's pretty much my week here is the UDFA market. And, of course, draft picks are going to start signing pretty soon because it's all, it's all chalk. Everything outside of the first round, which is really a fight for offsets, um, is going to be pretty chalk. We know the slots. We know what's going to be. They, they know what they're going to be. The agents know what it needs to be. It's just a matter of let's get this thing done. Get these guys on the Zoom conference and doing these off-season workouts. That's the life we live right now. Um, and then, site-wise, other than that, our cap tracker will update uh, from a salary cap standpoint. We've had a couple of questions on Twitter. I wanted to address here: the the cap space and the cap allocation still run off top fifty-one straight to week one, whenever that is. So, uh, you know, if if we get down and closer to the season, and it's going to be questionable if the season actually starts, the NFL is going to have to make some reports on how that's all going to work. But from a CBA standpoint, we we follow top 25 sal- salary cap allocations until week one. That's when everything has to lock in. Uh, teams can go up to 90 men on the roster right now, so you're going to see a lot of that, a lot of adding, not just UDFAs but other other additions as well to get to 90. They can't go over 90 at this point. And then there'll be cut- a cut-down day, which gets them down to 53. It is still 53, by the way. I know the CBA has a new loophole where you can add two players – But the way that works, just to refresh many of your memory here, uh, you're still holding 53 on a normal basis. And then for each week, for each scheduled game, you're allowed to promote two additional players from your practice squad. And you can move those guys back and forth. Uh, But that's how that works. It's more of a uh, minor league to, to major league kind of a system than it is a we're adding two actual roster spots. You can do whatever you want with it. There's some restrictions to that. so. For all intents, it's going to be 90 man this right now, which will cut down to 53 like always, and then we'll uh, we'll flex those things up and down in season as it becomes available. But other than that, we're all pretty status quo. Minimum salaries have increased. There's uh, quite a lot of dough being pu- pulled around here. The minimum is 610,000. That's what pretty much everybody's on. Every rookie, including the first rounders, they'll have a base salary, a minimum base salary, with their nice big signing bonuses, and then. The first couple of rounds will have a little bit increase on those salaries going forward, years two, three, and four. Most everybody from rounds four out, four, five, six, and seven, will be on straight minimum salaries all four years. And uh, they'll have some sort of you know $100,000 signing bonus there. All that stuff's on the draft tracker. So spottrek.com slash NFL slash draft. And we go back 20 years now almost 20 years on that draft tracker. So if you want to go back and see how it all unfolds for all these various drafts, we've got that all, uh, all on that tool. Our GM roster tool is available. If you go to your favorite team on spot track, there's a manage this roster button. You can become a quick GM. You can add some free agents. You can cut players. You can restructure players, all that good stuff, change cap hits, um, kind of, uh, and it, we log the transactions you make, and then you can save that and publish that to, uh, an image or, or to Twitter or things like that and have fun with it. That's just uh, a neat little tool. We've, we've started with the NFL and we're going to build it with the other sports as well. But uh, just to give you a heads up there on some of the things that are popular this time of year, of course, our transactions tool, our trade tracker is going to be uh, active soon here, I would imagine. There's just, like I said, there's a there's a dozen decent names here that I really think might move. And uh, that's going to heat back up now. The teams can reassess their rosters from the draft. So plenty there's going to be plenty to talk about. This isn't a one and done. This draft didn't put a nail in the coffin of the NFL offseason here, even though, you know, guys will be working out and uh, the whole virtual aspect of it's going to make it a little bit less desirable from a media standpoint. I mean, there's, you're just not going to have beat reporters standing around covering off offseason workouts. That's not going to be a thing. Um, but we'll keep it all uh, as active as possible. That's for sure. The transactions wire is not going to go away. There's still going to be plenty of things every single day that happen. We'll uh, keep tweeting that stuff out, and we'll keep talking about it here on these uh, weekly recaps. One of the things I wanted to do today is a bit of a draft breakdown because, like I said, I don't want to kind of jump on the back of what most shows and articles and outlets are doing right now, which is deep dives into each team's outlook and who missed where and all that good stuff. I just want to do this. 32 teams... I'm gonna give you one name. That's it. Just one name from the weekend, um, and that's really all I think we need to do. Because every you're gonna have you know three four guys in every draft who are gonna make an impact, but generally speaking, there's one player that was acquired or added this week that we're gonna want to talk about or, or watch in the upcoming 2020 season. So let's start with Arizona. To me, it's a no brainer. <laughs> it's it's Isaiah Simmons. He. A lot of people thought he was going three or four to Detroit or New York. He falls in Arizona's lap. Just a ridiculously versatile – you know what it reminds me of? When they selected Tyron Matthew, and there, there were questionable, you know, motives and – he's been phenomenal, and he's just won himself a Super Bowl with Kansas City last year. Versatile, nasty, hard-nosed player. That's Isaiah Simmons. And and Simmons might even be more more of an athlete. So, to me, that's a no-brainer. I mean, that's, that's the name to watch right now outside – Oh, by the way, that guy, DeAndre Hopkins, isn't too bad either. Falcons, uh, I mean, they certainly addressed the defense. Let's put it that way. They tried to get up there and really get a player. They tried to get Chase Young. I mean, they went up there. It sounds like they made a heck of an offer to the, to the Redskins for Chase Young. Didn't get it done, of course. Redskins wanted it. So they added a cornerback, which they, was certainly a need. They had a player in Marlon Davidson. Who was, that's probably the guy to watch. You need to solidify that defensive line. We'll see if that's what the pick is. I'll give you Marlon Davidson as the t- as the player to watch there from this draft. The Ravens, I gotta give you a, a more of a negative player. I mean, they've done nothing wrong over the past two seasons, clearly. I I don't quite understand the JK Dobbins pick. I think that may have been a situation where he fell into their lap and he, they know he's a heck of a playmaker, and they're just trying to acquire as many playmakers as possible. Now certainly Mark Ingram's gonna fall off this roster probably after 2020. Justice Hill isn't going to be a three-down back for that player, for that team. So maybe the thinking is we bring in a guy like Dobbins now, give him a year to figure it all out, and let us figure this situation out. And then when, when it's time to pay Lamar, which it might be next year, we can have this versatile weapon who can take some of the pressure off of Lamar and take some of these carries away from Lamar as well. I just I, I wasn't super sold on that one. I think they could have doubled down in the wide receiver position right there at 55. But good for them. I mean, it's a playmaker. I can't really argue with too much, but that's to me that's the one to watch. Uh, the, the the Bills. I, I mentioned Jake Fromm already in this podcast. That's a no-brainer for me. Where where it happened is a no-brainer, even though it wasn't a specific need. Good for Brandon Bean pulling the trigger on that. I think the one to watch is going to be Zach Moss. This was a player who was probably the fourth best running back in this in this draft. He fell late. He fell into their laps when they wanted him to fall in their lap. Uh, I know they were sitting there. At about, I think it was about ooh, 86, I think. I don't remember exactly where that draft pick was. But there were teams ahead of him that, that could have de- certainly taken the running back. And when he fell, that was a quick pick for Bean. That's, that fills an immediate need. That's your Frank Gore replacement. That is a situation that takes some pressure off of Devin Singletary, who might not be the most versatile of, of these, uh, these slash backs that we've seen in the league. So to me, that's going to be a great one-two punch for Buffalo. Derek Brown, no question for the Carolina Panthers. That's a huge pick. I think he's going to be, uh, you know, we've seen some monsters on the defensive line in Carolina over the past decade or so. He's going to be a new one. That's that's going to be Matt Rule's new favorite defensive player right there, no question. By the way, Matt Rule, seven defensive players. Seven picks, seven defensive players. You think he had a plan coming into this draft? <laughs> uh, the Bears, woof. That's my, that's my word for the Bears, woof. I mean, it wasn't a tight end class. They just signed Jimmy Graham, which was already questionable. They had, as of yesterday, they just released one. They had 10 tight ends on their roster as of yesterday. They drafted one in cold combat out of Notre Dame. I mean, it's gonna be a, he's going to be a solid player. This just didn't seem like the year to do it. After you just reached on Jimmy Graham, I mean, fill in some other blanks. That's my thinking there. So tight end is the word I'm going to give you for the Chicago Bears right now. Bengals, of course, it's Burrow. But then they backed it up with T. Higgins. That's just a really nice one-two punch for a team that's got to get. They, they're they going to have to push. I mean, Burrow's cheap for five years. This is the time to go. So get, you, you want to surround him with all the weapons possible. And they certainly have a decent arsenal right now. To, to me, a guy like Higgins pushes a guy like John Ross way down the board. He's already in bust conversations in John Ross. But Higgins has a chance to, to jump right over him immediately out of the gate. Browns, really nice draft, smart draft. You can see the analytics was a big part of it. I thought the second pick in Grant Delpit was just a monster pick. That's going to be a replacement for the move they made to get Odell Beckham in and ship a couple of safeties out. He's going to lock right into this defense. And then Oh, by the way, they brought in uh, Jedrick Wills, arguably the best tackle in the draft, to become uh, Baker Mayfield's new blindside defender. That's That's a great one, too, right there. That's a great one, too. So I think the Browns had a phenomenal draft. Dallas, again. You can question the need and not needing C.D. Lamb, but when a playmaker like that falls into the lap, it's a similar conversation to, to the Dobbins pick for Baltimore. It's a good team that probably had other needs, but when a playmaker like this comes through and he's going to be cheap and cost-controlled for five years, you do it. You do it. So that's what the Dallas Cowboys did. I know they just signed Amari Cooper. That's a two-year deal. That's not a five-year deal. It's a two-year deal. Gallup's cheap for two more years, so this makes complete sense to me because CeeDee Lamb could be the guy who's there in three years, the only guy there in three years, essentially, is what I'm saying. Uh, it's there. Do it. Smart smart move by Jerry Jones right there. Denver, similar in similar fashion, you went back-to-back wide receivers for your, your young quarter, quarterback in Drew Locke. You went Jerry, Judy, K.J. Hamler. Those are the two names to watch. Those, those two players have to be monsters. You know, One's going to be across the middle. One's going to be streaming down go routes. That's what Drew Locke needs. He needs everything he can possibly get. A couple of really nice tight ends as well on that roster. They are young. They are talented. I don't know if that offensive line can hold him up, but if he can, he's going to have options, that's for sure. Uh, Detroit, for sure. It's it, Well, i, I got to give them both credit on the first two picks. Jeff Okuda, of course, is going to be the, the Darius Slay replacement. And DeAndre Swift, arguably the best running back in the draft, fell into their laps in that early second round. I know they have Carrie Ann Johnson. If you have him in your dynasty le- league right now, you're probably sweating because DeAndre Swift is just a better animal. He's just a better monster. He's a monster. He can run. He's going to catch some balls. He didn't do enough of it. He also didn't. Ha- he didn't have a ton of carries. If you look at him versus like a like a Todd Gurley who came out of Georgia, Gurley had hundreds more carries than DeAndre Swift. He is. He's got tread. He's got some miles left. He's going to be solid for five years if they can keep him. Out. I expect that to be four plus a franchise tag with every solid running back right now. So Swift for sure in Detroit. Green Bay, we talked about it enough, I don't need to say it, the name to watch is Jordan Love. I don't know when, I don't know how, I don't know why, but he's on that roster, and we'll see what that what, what that means going forward. Houston, fine, they just filled in some blanks. They lost DJ Reader, they brought in Ross Blacklock. Um, they're gonna lose Clowney, obviously as of last year's trade, they brought in an edge player the second round. And then Charlie Heck's is gonna be the new right tackle, I would imagine, so bang, 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 nothing sexy. Just flat-out needs for Bill O'Brien there. Indianapolis, I think the one to watch is Jacob Eason. They took a quarterback, I believe, in the fourth round. The kid out of Washington, huge arm, big kid, fits all the models. Uh, Phillip Rivers on a one-year deal. Brissette's on a one-year deal. He, he might be out the door here in a couple of months at best. But long story short, he's the only, he might be the only quarterback signed in 2021 as of a couple of months from now. So if he can stick, if, he can, if he's a practice squad guy this year, uh, or if they just keep him as a third quarterback for the, for the gamut and then promote him into at least competing starting role job in 2021, that could be a sleeper pick. He's going to be dirt cheap where or, or they drafted him. So if he works out, that's the name to watch for sure. Jacksonville had a ton of picks. They traded back a bunch. They, they loaded up on, on just talent. I mean, nobody really sexy. C.J. Henderson's a nice pick. They lost a couple of their corners over the past couple of the, week, of the weeks. Really, yeah, A.J. Boye. Um, so Henderson's going to be a focal point right out of the gate, as is the edge defender and Caleb on chase who I imagine is going to take over for Yannick and cockway whenever they get him out of town. That's certainly one of the names to watch this week on the trade block. Jacksonville solid full draft, Kansas city, uh, boy, that 32nd pick was just sitting there. We figured they'd trade out. They did not. They took Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, the running back out of LSU who can do everything. That's a scary playmaker to add to Patrick Mahomes' arsenal. I, I don't know if it was the biggest need. They had some cheap options already in the Williams kids. But uh, you, can't, you, can't, you can't argue. It's the Dobbins role all over again. If it wasn't a need this year, it might be next year. And either way, it adds arsenal to Patrick Mahomes, which is what you want to do. You want to make your quarterback better. That made their quarterback better right there. The Vegas Raiders wanted to get better wide receiver and get faster. They certainly did that with Henry Ruggs. I'm not sure he was the best wide receiver in this draft, but he was taken first, and John Gruden's got himself a toy to play with. Whether that's Derek Carrs or Marcus Mariotas remains to be seen, but Ruggs can fly, and they didn't stop there. They ended up drafting two other wide receivers, one who I think is going to slash into a running back, and then the UDFAs are always are, are as well, by the way, loading up on running backs and wide receivers, so good for them there. The Chargers went Justin Herbert. That's the name to watch. I don't know if it's going to be this year or if they give Tyrod Taylor the full year or if it's half a year, but he's the name to watch. He's the Philip Rivers replacement in Los Angeles. He's got tons of toys to play with. They had a, a nice one in K.J. Hill as well, a burner out of Ohio State. That was late, so uh, that's, the, that's the one to watch. I mean, Herbert's going to be a legitimate starting quarterback for at least a couple of years, and whether or not he can hold the gamut and make it work, it's all on his shoulders. Boy, the Rams, I don't know. It's been a tough offseason for Sneed here. He had, to, he had to dump his trash in Gurley and Cooks because he just flat out couldn't pay them for, for the production he was about to get. He ended up drafting a Gurley replacement in Cam Akers, which just didn't seem like the first pick he should have made. He didn't have a first-round pick because of the uh, Jalen Ramsey trade. I didn't think that running back should have been his first move. I just didn't. I think you go and replace either uh, – you know a Corey Littleton there, and you find yourself a new leader of the middle of the defense. They did that in the four, third round, essentially. Maybe we'll see. But they went running back, wide receiver. They essentially said we're going to replace Gurley and Brandon Cooks right out of the gate in this draft. Uh, we'll see. The, the, their their names. I mean, Cam Akers and Van Jefferson are nice names that came from big programs in Florida, but they better produce because those are big, big draft picks for Les Snead. I think he's on the hot seat. If I had to guess, I think Les, Les Snead is is uh, eyeing down the barrel right now <laughs> based on everything that just happened over the past year and a half. Dolphins made a ton of picks. They had a ton of picks. But the, uh, the only one that matters is Tua. I think Tua is going to get a significant amount of time to watch behind Ryan Fitzpatrick. There's a new right tackle in town, possibly a left tackle on Austin Jackson. There's uh, a couple of guards thrown into this draft. They, they hit all the buttons. They decided we don't need just one guy. We're going to get our guy in Tua, but we're going to load up. We're not going to trade basically any of these picks. They made first three-round picks. They got themselves a quarterback, a left tackle, and a cornerback in the first round, did some damage, added more picks going later, and just loaded up everywhere. A couple of edge players, a couple of safeties, a defensive lineman, another guard that could compete for a starting job this year, and even a running back late. And oh, by the way, they uh, acquired a player as well. So, I mean, the Matt Breda, Breda trade is sneaky good. This is a, just a downhill guy who can catch the ball. He's going to compliment Jordan Howard nicely out of the gate here. They're built. They added tons of pieces, which you want, is what you want to do when you got a new quarterback and you're trying to figure this thing all out. They're going to have a nice year to figure it out behind the scenes, and then 2021 should be a big, big year for Tua. Minnesota Vikings moving fast here. I had to replace Stefan Diggs. They brought in Justin Jefferson from LSU. Now what else needs to be said? It's boring. It's not the sexiest pick. They didn't trade up to get the best wide receiver. They let it fall into their lap. He was there. He probably shouldn't have been there at that point, but he's the guy who, who, uh, who they picked to replace stuff on Diggs. It's a lot cheaper. It's cost-controlled for five years. Good for, my, good for Minnesota. The uh, New England Patriots didn't trade up for a quarterback. In fact, they didn't draft a quarterback. They brought on a couple on UDFA deals. None of those guys are probably going to stick. This is going to be Jared Siddham and Brian Horry's year for, for all intents. I don't think they're in on Cam Newton. I don't think they're in on Andy Dalton. I don't think they want Jacoby Brissett back. The only quarterbacks on the roster are probably the quarterbacks that are going to stick for 2020. This is a trenches team right now. They're going to try to win through the trenches. Sony Michel should have t- plenty of action. Uh, I expect these new tight ends, they have plenty of action and figure out this system. And then if they need to upgrade the quarterback situation next year, they're going to do it. They're going to address it next year. But uh, they're going to take this year and figure out what they have. Win a bunch of games, most likely still, 8-8 and kind of team, and then go from there. Nothing sexy out of New England, though, for sure. Saints, again, boring, Um, but they didn't need to do much. That's a Super Bowl contending team right there. They brought in a couple of players for the offensive line early, which you can understand, especially if they have to switch quarterbacks in the next 18 months. Um, Outside of that, they did their damage in free agency. A couple of trades as well. I mean, the Emmanuel Sanders move was smart. You can understand what's about to happen here. And, oh, oh by the way, the Jameis Winston acquisition, that should lock in in about an hour here. That's going to make them better because it's going to be Teddy Ridgewater version two. Sean Payton gets to see what Jameis Winston really looks like from the inside out. And if he can convert him into a competitive, competent quarterback that can also throw for Brew, Brew Drew Brees kind of numbers, uh, they've got a nice long relationship ahead of them then. The New York Giants, I mean, you paid Nate Solder $16.5 million a year and a half going free agency. They clearly weren't happy because they brought on Andrew Thomas in the first round as a competing left tackle, probably going to start at right tackle. And then when Soldier's contract gets right side up, he probably converts over to left tackle. Makes sense. It's unfortunate. It happens. They made a bunch of picks, a lot of defensive picks, which you can imagine they, they gutted that defense last offseason. So they're uh, building it back up and hoping the Daniel Jones thing works out. That's 2020 for the Giants. Similar thing with the Jets here, left tackle. Mekhi Becton needs to keep Sam Darnold upright to see what Sam Darnold can do. They added Denzel Mims in the second round as well from Baylor, who's just a burner who, could, who should be really fun for uh, Darnold to work with. We'll see. They didn't To me, they didn't add enough weapons for, for Darnold yet. But Le'Veon Bell and Denzel Mims and a couple of kids on the roster, it's at least a start. We'll see what happens. Eagles were interesting because uh, the name to watch is Rieger, the wide receiver they took, of course, because they need help. And Elshon Jeffrey and his bloated contract aren't going to be able to help, unfortunately. But I can't, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the Jalen Hurts pick because it's similar to the Jordan Love situation, but I hate it way less because it wasn't the top 26 pick. So I understand what Philadelphia is doing there. Carson Wentz is injury-prone. His contract is massive. It's tradable, though. It's tradable. So if they don't love Carson long-term, but Carson has a competent 2020, there may be teams calling. And if they call and it's a Nick Foles-type situation, he goes. He's going to go. So, just keep an eye on that because I broke down some of the numbers on Spot Track we, uh, this week that basically ha- outlines every veteran quarterback and their current contract situation, how they can be traded, what it means dead cap wise, what it means for the new team's contract, all that good stuff. Carson Wentz is a big part of this conversation, especially with the Jalen Hurts uh, acquisition in the second round. Steelers, boring, good stuff. Chase Pools, a second tier wide receiver in this draft out of notre dame he's just going to make ben roethlisberger's job easier that's what they do they, they find diamonds like this keep them around for a couple years and then never sign him that's just <laughs> that's kind of the steelers philosophy and you can understand that they added a good couple of uh edge edge defenders i still think maybe bud dupree might be on the trade block we'll see i understand he signed his franchise tag that allows them to trade him by the way so we'll see what that happens there and then Anthony farland uh, a, a mid-round running back that's going to compete with James Conner, who I don't think they're going to give a contract to. So, again, they brought in competition. They're going to get better. If Ben's, if Ben's healthy, that's a team that can compete in the AFC. That's just a fact. 49ers, man, they, uh, they really did a nice job here with moving to force Buckner out, getting that 13th pick, trading back a little bit, understanding what they really needed. They brought in a, de- a defensive tackle in Javon Kinla, who's just going to be another monster on a cost-control contract. Story of the 49ers' life right now. They've built that defense from the ground up on cheap contracts, and it's certainly paid off immediately in in 2019. That should still be the case in 2020, even though a couple of moving parts happened. They replaced Emmanuel Sanders with Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State. That was late. He kind of fell into their lap. That was a guy that should have been maybe in the higher 20s. He fell, and they snagged him for sure. Um, But he's small. Shanahan's going to have to make some work with that. (laughs) He's, He's certainly done it before. Seattle, Boy, if, if Seattle doesn't draft a linebacker, something's wrong with the world. That's exactly what they did. Versatile Jordan Brooks. He's going to be a, a horizontal, side-to-side kind of guy. Everything Pete Carroll always dreams about every single year when he's looking for new players. They also brought in an edge guy and Darrell Taylor. I don't think that nails the coffin, though, on a possible return of Jadevin Clowney. They, like I said, they freed up some cap space because they drafted a guard, because they brought in some tackles this offseason. They were able to release Fluker and... Justin Britt, a couple of guard centers, freed up $12.5 million of cap space. To me, that still screams clownies on the table, so keep an eye on that for sure. Tampa Bay got Tom Brady a new left tackle, which we've been talking about for weeks now. That was a necessity. They brought on a couple of tackles, to be honest. (laughs) Excuse me. They brought on a couple of running backs as well, the other big, big need. And a safety, a, a burner safety with a famous dad, Antoine Winfield Jr. out of Minnesota, a Big Ten guy who was a shutdown safety going to quarterback that defense he's going to be a superstar i think i think it's a steal in the second round it's a great fit for a bruce arians type defense and like i said two running backs added in the third and the seventh round they're going to compete with ronald jones who could have a breakout year if he's given the opportunity but there's a competition now for sure tennessee similar really similar to what tampa bay just did they went tackle to replace jack conklin they went cornerback to replace logan ryan they went running back to be a supplement to Derrick Henry for a year and then hopefully take over that that uh, that role if they have to move on from Henry without a multi-year contract. Just made a ton of sense. Tennessee was logical as heck this offseason. The Redskins did not trade out of number two, and Chase Young is there because of it. And <laughs> There's no other name to look at. He's one of the best defensive uh, draft picks we've had all decade, and that's just a fact. Every single tape says it. Every single analyst says it, and I can't wait to see it on the field in 2020. All right, there's your 32 teams. Let's take a few minutes, bring Scott Allen in, and talk some of the numbers from the offseason. Before we bring in Scott, let's talk about Fantasy Pros. While most sports are currently at a standstill, it's never too early to start preparing your updated fantasy football draft roster. There's no better resource than Fantasy Pros. With their flagship draft wizard, mock draft simulator, you can customize any format that your fantasy league plays. Run mock drafts in a matter of minutes against realistic opponents and prepare for any scenario your draft might face. Everything's going to be updated. We've got rookies. we got UDFAs. There's plenty to deal with right now, especially if you're a dynasty draft. And, you know, extensions like Deshaun Watson will matter to you. Get in there. Start cranking the numbers out. Start figuring out what the heck is about to happen here as we push towards the, uh, you know, the, the preseason schedule and things like that. It's going to come soon, especially with nothing else going on. So keep up with it on Fantasy Pros. Visit FantasyPros.com slash SpotTrack-NFL today get a head start on your competition. Again, that's fantasypros.com slash dash nfl All right. Happy to be joined again by Scott Allen. Scott, hope you had a good weekend. Hope you got some sleep. I know I did not. This is one of those, like I said, I call the quarantine inside of quarantine right now. It's a crazy week. Successful as heck. I mean, let's start there. This was about as good as it could have gone with this virtual draft. I heard a couple of internet glitches from the behind the scenes. I think Denver lost the internet for a second there or something like that. But other than that, the production was outstanding. Actually, I actually had to throw Trey, Trey Wingo a, a message and basically say like, I don't know how you just pulled that off, but that was because think about it from his standpoint. He is, I mean, essentially you right now, he's sitting in a room and he's got everything in his ears. And not to mm-hmm. mention he can't see either. There's maybe a producer in front of him basically saying, you know, this is what's up next. this, what, but Nothing's normal and everything's delayed. So he throws it to Lewis Riddick and Riddick's got a six second delay. So it's just uh, everything had to throw him off and he was rock solid. I thought he was rock solid for 72 hours. So I give him a ton of credit. That was quite a performance from the whole, the whole really production crew. It it went off with a bang. Uh, I broke down the picks. I broke down some names. I kind of went through a little bit of a recap of what we saw this week. I did not talk too much about the trades, we can sort of dive into that here to start, Scott. You're in the D.C. area. Trent Williams is finally out of the D.C. area. Uh, third and a fifth, is that what it was? Third and a fifth yeah. with a fourth swap kind of thing in there. Here's what I'm – I tweeted this, but and we had uh, Benjamin Salak on last week who kind of confirmed what I was saying. I, I was really surprised that it included a 2020 draft pick, a third-round pick this year because there's no, he's had, he's had he's got an injury history and he hasn't mm-hmm. played since that injury so you're just San Francisco's just good good to go i guess whatever they you know whatever Washington doctor gave him a physical this offseason San Francisco is good with it because they gave up a third round pick that was already drafted to me that's risky i i you couldn't just made that a 2021 pick you know
1: yeah, it, it ended up being what? 2020 was the fifth round next year. Yeah, the later the third, one was the third 2021. Round. Right. Yeah. Third so, round next year. I, to me,
0: that was the only red flag. I, I think that I thought, I always thought this was going to be about what he went for. Anybody thinking he was going to get a first? That was, look, <laughs> demand is so much of this. The second Carolina came out and thanked Cam Newton for his services and then mm-hmm. said, oh, by the way, we're trying to trade you. No, you're not. <laughs> you just You just said goodbye to him on your official Twitter account. That basically put a torpedo in any trade you thought you were going to get because everybody knows you're done with them. So yeah. whether that was a social media gaffe or they knew they weren't going to get anything from him, just stop. Like the, the second you demand, the second you announce you you want to trade somebody, he's already become untradeable.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's
0: just the life.
1: It's like It's like as soon as you buy a car and you drive it off the lot, the depreciation value just plummets. Yeah.
0: Yeah, or or the second you let your dealer know you really want to buy this car, you just paid eight thousand more for it. Yeah, <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, I, to me that was oh, it was always going to be some sort of mid round pick. A package for mid round picks is fine. It's an interesting spot, and certainly you can understand the need now with Joe Staley having to retire. Um, they did make another trade out in San Francisco, by the way, in moving Matt Breda out. That's Miami, correct? The Dolphins. Don't I know there were a few teams in on him, and I knew our, you know, where I reside here in Buffalo. He, he, they were on the short list, and uh, Buffalo got their guy in in the draft pick, so the Brita trade wasn't a need for them anymore. The guy who didn't get traded is Fournette, and I think that's super interesting because that's a guy who basically said, "I want to be traded," then mm-hmm. threw his quarterback under the bus, <laughs> and he's not traded. So does he go? I can't imagine he goes. Yeah. I don't know. They're going to have to exercise his option in about five days here. <laughs> I wonder if they don't. In fact, yeah. I'd be surprised if they do. I know he can play, but Jacksonville is clearly going in a different direction. There's no question. And, I'm surprised
1: uh, that he didn't go for at least some of these late-round picks or even a you know a mid-round next-year pick or something. I mean, just a. Give him a chance to, you know, teams like I, I think I saw New England was a possible landing spot or, you know, <laughs> I'm just I'm kind of surprised some teams haven't taken a shot. But um, who knows? I mean, we, we've got time here that a trade yeah. could,
0: I mean, I'm sitting yeah. here trying to think I'm trying to place him on a new team right now after this draft and, and what we've seen. I don't really have a spot for it. I don't. So good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know who Jacksonville is, so I don't really want to spend too much time on them. They, yeah, I, I can't, they, to me, they didn't do enough to tank for Trevor. It's kind of like the dolphins last year where they, they yeah. started to trade people and then they stopped and then they, they put in Fitzpatrick, who you know is going to win five, six games for you. And they ended up not getting Joe Burrow. So is that, is that going to be Jacksonville smart enough to be bad, but not smart enough to be the worst? <laughs> I have so much problem. I, look, I'm a competitive guy like anybody. If I'm on any of these teams, I'm trying to win. I, I, I am not a, a tank kind of guy, but I'm also wearing a business hat right now. And from a business standpoint, you're in a league that when you're the worst, you get to, pick, to make the best pick. And that generally means – like eight out of the last ten years, that's meant the best quarterback in the league, in the, in the draft at least. That's Trevor Lawrence. I, I can't tell you which team is trying to do that right now. Can you? No, <laughs> because it should be Jacksonville, but I can't should tell you. Isn't that the conversation to be having right now from a radio? If we're a radio show, who is the worst team in football?
1: I, I'm not yeah, sure who hard. it is. I know, especially. I mean, Miami made a lot of good picks in the draft. Oh yeah, so they're, they're not the worst. They're not the worst. No, not even my, if it's
0: Fitzpatrick, they're not the worst.
1: I, I mean, obviously, the cliche word is that's why we uh, we play the game. Oh God, boo. <laughs> I know Uh, because injuries happen and everything. There's always things that, you know, you never know what's going to happen and a team ends up in the top five that you didn't expect them to be. But I mean, looking at the list right now, I mean,
0: (laughs) yeah. Who's the worst team? It probably is Jacksonville, but they're going to win some games. I mean, it could be Washington. It could. I mean, if Dwayne Haskins is terrible. Mm-hmm. right but again they're going to win some games their defense can play some ball uh, uh, i think it's a great question who the heck is the worst team in football could it be the bears
1: could be yeah Th- that might be a a second place winner here
0: i think the falcons are a very interesting team in this conversation because they have been bad but they have these phenomenal weapons I mean, Matt Ryan is a super, basically a Super Bowl MVP. Was a play away from winning a Super Bowl. Julio Jones is a Hall of Famer. Calvin Ridley's a stud. Uh-huh. Now they have Gurley as well in the four. I don't know. They're not going to. And lose. they drafted
1: a lot. Of, they drafted a lot of defensive players too to help with that defense that was abominable. All right,
0: Jacksonville, Atlanta. I can't see
1: Arizona. I guess if, I can. if if Stafford doesn't play, is Detroit. <sighs> Boy, Detroit could be bad.
0: Detroit could be bad. Even though they had a nice draft, they, they could be bad. All right. Does any team lose less than three games this year?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Bengals were what, two last year? Two and fourteen?
1: I think that's right. Um I'll say no. You think that's the threshold? Yeah.
0: Yeah, Bengals were 2-14. and 14. We had a three. We had two threes, the Redskins and the Lions. So I mean, there you go. I think that's we, probably we, the same group.
1: I mean, we thought Miami was going to be there, and then they won some games there with, yeah. with Fitz. I told and you, I Fitz mean, always
0: wins five. <laughs> Don't start them if you're trying to lose. Giants? I, Are the Giants going yeah, to th-
1: be? <sighs> no. I'd have to go back and look at the standings for the last few years to see how many teams have actually lost – Less than three games. you know
0: what's interesting, Scott the Giants if the Giants start to lose, they should just rip it right down.
1: they should they should You're just right.
0: rip it right down. That's the team right there. Jacksonville can ease, can do that easily, but the Giants the Giants could make that work. I mean it's not like they added you know four offensive weapons that they need to they need to use they didn't. they kind of knew who they were in free agency from a defensive standpoint.
1: Yeah, man. yeah and if Donald Jones that's does my, it, or Dan, yeah, Dan, Daniel Don, Jones does exactly. it. Exactly,
0: you don't even know his name.
1: Yeah, exactly. No. If, if he regresses or doesn't, I mean, they see that he's not the guy, then just...
0: Yeah, I like him. I think he's got a shot, but that's a team. That's a sneaky sleeper team. Can we bet on the worst team in football? We got to look this up. I like oh. this.
1: Yeah. Because I, I bet
0: know. you the Giants' odds are halfway decent. It's a yeah, sleeper it's team. Probably- that's a terrible conversation by the
1: way it is Jacksonville Giants and Bears
0: happy draft now let's find out who's worst um i'm going with the giants as my sleeper team giants are the worst team in football this year all right i like it let's move on you got some numbers for me right
1: yeah uh you were talking about trades here so i looked and compared to last year last year had 40 trades yeah i saw this way down right this year only had twenty nine. Yeah. Um, the The teams that traded the most were Miami, New England, and San Francisco, and um, San Francisco's five trades they included three different players. So they more so moved players or brought in a player.
0: And two of them had real players, had had active players. Brita right. and, and uh, Goodwin, right? Goodwin. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and um, so. Teams that acquired the most draft pool cap based on these teams, I mean, it, it's not much, but Minnesota gained $1.8 million. It's
0: incredible that they made 15 picks. It is. It's incredible.
1: Yeah, you usually don't see teams trading or having that many picks. They ended up with
0: 15. Let me explain what that is. This is a team that signed like eight or nine of their own players over the past two seasons. They kept. They tried to keep this thing completely intact, and when you do that, you get pigeonholed. You can't go to free agency and spend. You just can't do it. So the only way that they can progress right now is through the draft. So you can understand this 100%. It's just a big number to look at. I mean, it's, it's the most amount of draft picks by three, right? I think we're seeing Jacksonville made 12. They made three more picks than any team in football this year. So, but that's why. That is literally why. they have signed, In fact, they just re-signed Cousins even. So I mean, the, 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 uh, the name to watch is Delvin Cook in Minnesota. And yeah. I, I don't know. They got a kid behind him that I think can play some ball. And I know McCaffrey just got signed, but we've talked about this at length. I I just don't know. I don't know. That's another conversation. But that's the the name of the watchdown. But this is what I mean. This is what you have to do when you sign. By the way, this is what the Rams should be doing. But because they forfeited two draft picks, you know, two straight first round picks and third round picks for these awkward trades they made, they Mm -hmm. couldn't do this. So they really had no way to get immediately better or keep things keep the pipeline going, like Minnesota's done here. So that's just another miss for the Rams, honestly.
1: Yeah, and then uh, on the flip side, two teams that reduced their draft pool cap due to having the amount of trades that they had was Miami and New England. They they dropped it about two million dollars. So yeah, two very I mean, different
0: reasons. Miami just wanted yeah. to have be- wanted to get better picks. New England had to shed cap.
1: <laughs> they they yes, just they flat did. out
0: needed cap space and yeah. uh, couldn't afford to make some of these drafts they made. And uh, we'll see what happens. There's still moves to be made in New England, in my opinion. They're right up against it. I, I talked about them a little bit uh, elsewhere here, Scott. What's your take on New England? I don't want to break down the draft. I really don't. I mean, I, I gave everybody a player per per, per draft yeah. pick here. Yep. Um, And uh, I know there's plenty of other outlets you can go and get your draft breakdown and find your grades and all that fun stuff. But New England is... Sort of the outlier here because of what they, they didn't do. Right. The picks stand- they I mean, they were just boring as hell. And that's always been Belichick's way. He's gonna build through the trenches, he's gonna he's gonna, you know, build the interior linemen, he's gonna build defensive tackles, and certainly inside linebackers. That's his life. Flexible yep. linebackers. Uh, just status quo, or was it a
1: it's I really think- not
0: our year kind of a mo- kind of a draft for them?
1: It's not our year, and he's doing essentially what you've been saying for years now: is build around Build until your team first. ready for the quarterback. That's right. I That's mean, right. looking at their list here, they have three linebackers, a safety, a kicker, two tight ends, two guards, and a center. So they've they really. Yep. Honed in on key areas that they knew they needed to shore up before they even got a uh, a quarterback in place. They can see where they go from here, and if if for some reason they're at the bottom of the pool and they can get a specific quarterback, then yep. so be it. But I think it was a extremely calculated move by New England to do what they did because everyone was assuming. I mean. If yep. you followed Twitter or watched well, the draft, assuming or, or saying, wanting oh, it to New happen, England's, <laughs> New England's going to take a quarterback here. They're probably going to take a quarterback here. I they know. never did. They they bucked what everybody was saying, and they had a they had to have a calculated plan to do what they did. And
0: I'll give you the calculated plan, Scott. They've got nine draft picks next year already. They're going to probably add three more compensatory draft picks, which is what something they do every single year, possibly more because they did have a healthy number of free agents sign elsewhere, mostly in Miami and Detroit, um, they're going to be loaded. They're going to have 12, 12 to 13 picks right out of the gate, and they might win seven, eight games. And if they don't, right, if they win five, pff, look out. Yeah. Right? Look out because you, you can trade a couple, of pe- a couple of players. You can trade certainly some of those draft picks and go up and get whatever you need. There's going to be three viable quarterbacks again next year from everything we're seeing in these prospects. And uh, I would expect that after this draft and then after affording yourself some cap space next year, which is also what you're doing, you're getting yourself in decent shape for next year by taking on these dead cap hits now. Mm-hmm. It's the They're cleansing. They're cleansing financially, and they are building in t- from the interior. And that's the best recipe to yeah. rebuild on the fly. And then if you go get a superstar next year, or, or, oh, by the way, you go and bring in a healthy Cam Newton next year, right, which could certainly happen, or a Derek Carr or somebody who falls off a roster next year, they are built to handle uh, a whole new system, which is what they're going to have to do. I mean, there's just there's no other Tom Brady. So, you know, they're going to have to figure out what to do going forward. But wouldn't it be just a Patriots thing to have Sit and work out? Just, it would. I mean, just the guy yep. who he's been sitting there all along retaining this stuff. <laughs> you next know, man up. I mean, that's what we're expecting out of New Orleans. That's, that's what a lot of people think is going to happen with Jameis Winston. He's going to sit there for a year, soak this thing up. Sean Payton's going to work his magic and make him more competent. And this guy's going to throw for 4,500 y- yards a year for the next six years in New Orleans. It's perfectly possible. By the way, Drew Brees was terrible before he got there. He was, he was exiled out of San Diego. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Sean Payton did his magic, and Drew Brees is Drew Brees. So you got to give him that credit. And and I, I'm going to give Belichick the exact amount of credit. There's possi- there's a possible – Garoppolo's a player. Matt Castle could play for a couple of years. Yep. He, he, he knows what he's doing to a certain degree. He's just got to hit some lightning in a bottle. It's possible Stidham already has that, we, and we don't even know it because he's certainly not going to tell you in a, in a microphone in front of a press conference, you know?
1: No, completely agree. Um, I think, I mean, they have four quarterbacks on their roster already right now, right. Um, and you know, they they built around and they'll go from there. And who knows? They may surprise us. They may. But he, he always has a plan in place. And by the way, I'd be remiss if, if I didn't out. mention
0: this because it's not only possible, but I don't know. People are gonna people are gonna expect something like this. Aaron Rodgers could be available after 2020. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers might have to be available after 2020. <laughs> and they're going to want to get him out, right, of the, of the NFC, in my opinion. Uh, I know a team like San Francisco will be calling, but if you had to pick between San Francisco and New England, if I'm Green Bay, I'm picking New England. Oh, I'm picking yes. New England. I, I realize mm-hmm. that it's, you know, drafting, trading your division, blah, blah, blah. It, it does matter to some degree. It matters. Um, it does. If you have to pick between multiple teams and the, and the offers are the same, I, don't count that out. <laughs> Just don't count that out. If, uh, if they want a, a shot at a couple of more rings before Belichick hangs them up, that's exactly what you do is you bring in a guy like Rodgers who's been exiled out. And uh, like it almost worked with fire from Minnesota. It almost worked. That, those are some great it teams did. until Bounty Gamer <laughs> damn near knocked his career out. Yeah, um,
1: yeah they were very close yeah. to
0: so that's, that could absolutely happen. So keep an eye on that for sure. All right, let's get back into the numbers and stop trailing off here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I know you did some extensive work on agencies. Yeah. So I, I pulled back all the top agencies that had players signed or yeah. drafted uh, this weekend.
0: Yeah, I don't have so- the, these numbers in front of me, but I wanted to make note of this as something I saw on Twitter today. Um, minority agents ruled the day in this draft and that's really good to see yeah because uh, i know and the rest of the NFL, that's been a, it's been behind the, the eight ball with uh you know front office and things like that coaching positions but it, it ruled the day and it makes a lot of sense by the way it's really good to see that this market is picking up in that regard and uh, a lot of these top draft picks had minority agents at their side and it's great to see here's your here's your list Here's your top five agencies in terms of the 255 draft picks this draft athletes first Dominated, and they dominated the first round as well. They had eight first-round picks. They, they were, I would think, four of the top 10. It was just a phenomenal pull for them. They, made, they had some kind of quarantine party <laughs> this weekend for <laughs> sure because they cashed it in. Uh, 28 overall picks for athletes first, followed by Sports Stars at 17 and the CAA, which is a gigantic firm. Kind of low for them, 14 picks. Uh, something to do with the fact that there wasn't a gigantic quarterback class. They're a big quarterback company. Joe Rosenhaus always does well. He did eight picks this year in terms of the 255 and then rep one and clutch each had seven. There's your top five agencies in terms of the 2020 draft. We're also doing some work on these guys with UDFAs, which I said I've mentioned a couple times here that we've been tracking those all week. We'll continue to do that. I'll try to get an overall offseason outlook on these agencies, something we're trying to do a little better job of on Track. And we'll uh, bring a couple of these agents on and talk to them directly about how this all went down, especially in this virtual situation. I'm interested to see how this went down from uh, from an agent side of it as well. But good stuff there. And uh, I know we got some college numbers here too, Scott. You want to break those down?
1: Yeah, so I, I went and looked and compiled. Based on conference, SEC dominated. They had 63 <sighs> players drafted. The next state? highest was Big Ten at 48 and then Pac-12 at 32 um rounding off the top five acc is in fourth with 27 and big 12 at 21 i think it's interesting the Pac 12 had a terrible year yeah they did on the
0: field and they still pulled off 32 draft picks it's just you know that's just life i guess if you're a big a big time conference but they just didn't have the year and they uh you know they still exceeded the acc which is incredible all right by college
1: yeah so by college, the uh, so I looked at the value, how much total value, and I mean, pretty much par what we talked about last week. LSU projected to have earned uh, 124 million for total value. And yeah, 14 players uh, ties it, a record there. Yeah, and then Alabama had 110 million for, with nine players. Ohio State 109 million with uh, 10 players and then Georgia 64 million with seven players. Yeah, I think and then the Michigan I was going to
0: say the, the difference between Ohio State and Michigan who both had 10 players drafted is vast. And it's because Michigan yeah. guys went mid round.
1: They just they didn't did. have the
0: year to get themselves up into the top 2 rounds. So mm-hmm. whereas Ohio State, I mean those first three rounds, they killed it and that's why Ohio State players are valuing 109 million, Michigan's down in 41. It's <laughs> like a third of what Ohio State guys are going to earn. So uh, it didn't matter. I mean, Chase Young is making a big number himself. You can understand it. What a year for Louisiana State! I mean, the it LSU is. that that's uh, uh, there was hyperbole attached to that national championship game. You know, was that the greatest team college team we've ever seen? Was that the greatest quarterback season we've ever seen? That Joe Burrow? It, it doesn't matter to them because they just had fourteen <laughs> players drafted, and that's all they need for recruiting. Right, I mean that's scoreboard right there for them. That's that's all you need right there. So congrats to them. That was a lot of fun to watch. Anything yeah, else? It was. Anything else stand out in the draft for you?
1: Uh, I, I saw an interesting tweet that for the the Vegas Raiders between last year and this year's draft, they had something like I want to say six players that were in national championship games. Oh yeah, Clemson. The last two. Yeah, hits. that's Clemson I mean, West is what but, that is. Yeah, I mean. It, <laughs> they're obviously targeting all those high value high caliber players we'll see what if that translates in the nfl but it was an interesting tweet that i saw as far as that is concerned um but that's about it i mean i i think the like you said the television broadcast it it was good i i enjoyed it yeah um impressive that Wingo was able to be on okay. for that many hours straight. Um, but it felt like to me, at least the first round, even though it was still four <laughs> hours long, yeah. it's, it felt like it went faster. Yeah. And I don't know if that's because of well, the saw... different kind of uh, things that they were showing. Yeah. Um, and they weren't like in depth. Yeah. The production was way less. Five, that's that's it.
0: Five. Way less production. Yeah. that You're right. Yeah. I saw a lot of a lot of people on Twitter basically say why can't we have a first round that's basically a TV show and then we just do this the rest of the way or at least Saturday. I think Saturday could be this every year. You know, and if Thursday and Friday become the shows, the the, the big production shows that you have people in house for, but uh, you know, the uh, rounds 4 to 7, what are we doing, right? Not that those yeah. guys don't matter, <laughs> but it's just not a TV show. It's, not. No, it's, it's a, not, it's a, it's a, it's a social media show at that point.
1: <laughs> and if you were watching as I was, I had ESPN running versus the draft tracker online.
0: I know we were they still three were, picks. They, ahead. Were like
1: eight, they were eight picks behind. Was it that
0: bad? I, I was, I was just hammering the data at that point. Yeah.
1: No, I know. But I, I'm saying from that standpoint, there were so many players behind compared to the real time picks being done that, I mean, I, I get it. They want to give everyone their, their due diligence and their time uh, being televised. But, man, they were quite behind if you were watching. I was doing both, trying to update trades and that kind of stuff. But um, uh, as a whole, I think it was a success. I mean, I, I didn't see any glitches or any errors from what I saw. So
0: Yeah, I think uh, I don't have the exact tweet in front of me or, the, or the, the quote in front of me. I think my favorite part was when a kicker got drafted, and or was it a long snapper? It was some long kind of special snap. teamer. Did you, did you see this Daryl Gen- Daniel Jeremiah quote? No. Somebody threw it. the Dan- Wingo threw it to Daniel Jeremiah for, a, for an update. Oh, and his I response did. was basically yes. like, I, I don't have much of a life. <laughs> but I don't know anything about this guy because I, yeah. I have at least that much of a life. <laughs> it
1: was yeah, I, I heard that live. <laughs> he was like, I don't have any notes on this guy. So I had to message one of the guys that I know that's on the team. <laughs> it was great.
0: You just yeah. need that kind of honesty, because I mean, come on, right? Not that those guys aren't important, but we're not going to have three minute breakdowns on you know twelve hundred players. It's just not possible, and, and that, we don't want it to drag out that long. So,
1: right? Yeah. That honesty is refreshing because yeah. it shows that they're just as vulnerable. It's just like seeing head coaches and GMs in their in their.
0: I like the family stuff. I thought that was neat. So,
1: I Yeah.
0: All right. Good stuff, Scott. Thanks for the numbers. Thanks for the research. Well, uh, let's take a break tomorrow, take the day off, and then uh, we'll come back Thursday. Last thing before we leave, did you uh, catch the latest version of The Last Dance?
1: Yeah, I did. All right. Any thoughts,
0: numbers? What do you got?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I pulled uh, up Rodman's information, obviously, since episode three was all about him. So he ended up earning $27.5 million over 13 seasons played for the Pistons, Spurs, Bulls that they highlighted in there. And then he also played with the Lakers and the Mavericks. He ended up earning $16 million with the Bulls. And in that 97-98 season, it was $4.6 million. So one of the biggest takeaways outside of finances was his ability to uh, talk about the analytics behind the rebounds, how the ball came off, how it spun off, and then breaking it down to specific shooters and how their their ball spins and bounces off the rim. I thought that was phenomenal. I mean, I
0: I agree. I mean, there's a lot of uh, smoke and mirrors in front of him and rightfully so. I mean, he created that. One of the things I, 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 I wish somebody would have asked Jordan is, was having a guy like that on this team during this little stretch, a positive because I mean, we saw it with the Patriots multiple times. Stuff just gets boring. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're in such a routine. It's such an annual thing. They know the system. Like, this time of year for those guys in that Patriots system had to be awful. I mean, that's probably why Gronk quit is I'm just done with this. I'm done getting berated by the, you know, by the same coaching staff. It's the same thing every year. I bet you throw a wild card like Robin into that crew, and it's refreshing as hell because yeah. – He's taken all the notoriety. He's taken all the craziness. He's bringing, you know, new things to talk about. And I'm sure they got. I'm sure it definitely was annoying as heck at times. So, you know that whole Vegas scene and all that. Mm-hmm. But, but I bet I bet that's a question Jordan answers in that regard. Basically saying like, you know, it can get stale. Winning sixty games a year, it's a long yeah. regular season. We just want to get to the playoffs. We want to get back to Detroit, and we we got this guy who's. Just a little bit different, you know? I love the Jackson part of it, the the Native American name that you're the guy who just walks backwards. That's what I mean. Like, you you need yeah. those kind of wild well, cards to keep the keep the juices well for flowing. Their,
1: well, for their ability to know we got to give them a little more leash than you yeah. would somebody else is...
0: There's just not another coach that can do that. There's just no. not. And you can say that you, you would have handled that the same way. <laughs> I don't... most people in that regard are all worried about their jobs. Mm -hmm. Most coaches, if if somebody approaches them like that, it's all about how is this going to affect me in my my career? Phil Jackson didn't give a rat's behind. This was how do we make this team right now work and win right now? And the answer was I'm going to give you a weekend off. And I I gave him a ton of credit for it. Jordan was right. (laughs) Jordan... Jordan was the smartest man in the room there, for sure, Cause, because not only did he say, yeah, we can do this, but he ain't coming back. He ain't coming back. Uh, I would have loved to know what Jordan said when he walked in that room.
1: Oh, I know.
0: Because there's... I, I'm sure they asked, but there's no there's no way Michael Jordan said was going to give that answer, but I have to imagine that that was peak Jordan right there.
1: Yeah, I agree. So I, I saw uh, someone post Do you know anyone that you've played sports with that had that kind of
0: hmm.
1: antics on court uh who uh, who created <laughs> havoc went all out Do you do you have anyone that comes to mind that you've played I'm not going to give baseball?
0: names. I had a soccer player for sure. Uh, I
1: I thought the exact same Yeah, person. I
0: had a kid who played soccer with me who did this kind of stuff. It was more negative than positive. Yeah. It, it was more because he just wasn't the, I don't think he was a good enough player to, to warrant the craziness. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's why people put up with Rodman because he did this yeah. one thing really well that nobody else really wanted to do. Played really good defense and, get, and grab rebounds. You know what I mean? He didn't want to be the score. He didn't want to be the scoreboard guy. Um, yeah. So that's why it worked. If he was a, a, a wing scorer, you know, a shooter, he ain't lasting in this league. He's just mm-hmm. not lasting. But because he did this unique thing really well, you put up with the craziness, but yeah, I I have a couple of names in the back of my head from back in my days, yeah. and uh, like yeah, I said, I a, I just it. couldn't justify it. It was more of a pain than anything.
1: Well, the one that I thought of actually, I mean, it made a difference on on the soccer field. He created havoc. He um, he was not afraid to just run forever. He would cover anyone you wanted to and would cause right. cause chaos. Um, but
0: well, right, you need a little crazy. I mean, yeah, you do
1: you,
0: to be a freak athlete. You got to be a little crazy. But it's how you hone that crazy. <laughs> you no, know? I mean Jordan's crazy. Kobe was crazy.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: But in a whole different way. You know, they they didn't need the Vegas spotlights to promote their craziness. They kept it internal, and essentially destroyed their social lives. <laughs> that's that's well, how their crazy the fa- looked.
1: Well, and the fact that when they're showing Rodman studying and knowing what tendencies of players were, yeah, I mean, he, it. I wonder how much of that was there was,
0: there. right? I mean, I, w- I wonder, I wonder if that was a daily thing. If you really put in hours and hours of that, I mean, he certainly did something to become that good of a rebounder. But you know, that was a eight second clip on that show yesterday. It was, and I wonder, I just wonder how much of a part of that life that was. It was. He definitely put the work in physically too. I mean, he was in ridiculous shape, as they made note of. But yeah, I, I don't know. Do you think, you think that question it came up? Was it worth it? you think Phil Jackson would have answered that question?
1: Mm. Yeah, I think he would, and I think he would have said yes.
0: Yeah, because of the wins?
1: Yeah, we got in our championship. Yeah. our three. It's good. This often. is probably
0: going to be the weakest weekend of episodes, if I had to guess. I bet from here it gets real crazy <laughs> because of how they <laughs> left off episode four there. I think it starts to get real fun. Yeah, So I'm looking forward to it. All right, Yummy. good stuff, Scott. My thanks to all The right. Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash for 40% off. Get all your draft day grades, all the offseason grades. We're going to promote some stuff over there as well in terms of finances and the offseason. we got some discussions going on with that. Visit fantasypros.com slash nfl Get a head start on a whole new look at fantasy now. I mean, we got plenty of new guys added to these rosters. UDFA is coming in as we speak. Lots of new stuff to get to. We'll have a fantasy episode coming soon to talk about the impacts of how this draft may have affected your league going forward, especially from a dynasty standpoint. And my thanks to Scott Allen. From Mike Giannetti, thanks for listening to this edition of the Track Podcast.